about last week about uh, church's mission, and we came with the vision, and I said, which reminded the church being, you know, the universal church, right? So that includes us as believers, right? So we're going to continue on that theme. Um, so let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 4. Let's just jump right into this word. Yes, the Lord is stretching me, so uh, I had, once again, I had my mind set on what I was going to preach, and the Lord had other plans, so. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Yes, right. Praise God. But you know what? <laughs> We're going to trust Him. <laughs> Matthew chapter four. So you know, at the beginning of Matthew chapter four, we're going to we're going to start at verse twelve. But it, verses one through eleven is Jesus when he's out in the wilderness and he's being tempted by uh, Satan, right? And we know that how he overcame. Satan's temptation is through the word. And that is how we overcome temptation, is through the word of God. Alright, so the sin itself is not the temptation, it's when we act on that. But we overcome those temptations by the word of God. We, we can't do it out of our own strength. And, and sometimes that's what people try to do, is try to fight it. But our flesh is weak. Right? But that's why the Lord has given us His Holy Spirit to help us, to strengthen us. There's nothing like that. But for some reason, well, it's not for some reason, Matthew was led by the Holy Spirit, who we know he, he, was, he wrote as he was inspired, that he begins Jesus' ministry here. And if we're not careful when we start here, because sometimes we can read here in Matthew and we can think, oh, well, wow, this is the first time he came across the disciples and things like that. But we really have to read John chapter 1 through 4 to get the whole context of what happens before this, okay? Um, and I, I got some here, but we, we, because we're going to probably go through this whole chapter. We're not going to do it today, though. <laughs> so, all right, so let's look at verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. So let's stop right there. I'm pretty certain we probably won't get past verse 12 as I break this down, <laughs> so, but we'll see. All right, so going back up to verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. So, you know, we're all familiar that John was arrested and John was uh, placed in prison. But why? Why was John placed in prison? Right? For doing his job. Right? So John was placed in, in prison because he was doing what he was called to do. Let's go back one chapter over in uh, Matthew chapter 3. And looking at verse 2, here's John speaking. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was John's mission. Going around to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's, let's jump to verse 4. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brother vipers, who warned you to flee from wrath, flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Now let's go to Luke chapter 3. of sins, as it, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough, and the rough ways smooth. And all flesh so, shall see the salvation of God. So remember where we left off at. Verse 7. So, Verse 4 says, basically, John was one of voice. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So, again, this ties into the church's mission. So, last week was the vision. Now, guess what? The church's mission is to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. John was a herald for Jesus Christ's first coming. <laughs> After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the church is supposed to be the herald for Jesus' second coming. So, we are to be the ones to be the one. We are to be the People who will be crying, be the one that's crying in the wilderness. Why? Because the world is crying. The world is a wilderness out there. And if we're not the ones crying and letting the people know to repent, then who's going to tell them? Then the world, then the church is not going to be ready, even for Jesus' second coming. So, what does crying mean? Crying means to speak with a strong voice, to, to, to raise a cry of joy or pain. So that word strong there actually means influence. So we know whenever we see movies of John the Baptist, he's crying real loud, and he had to cry real loud back then, but it doesn't mean we have to be boisterous and loud all the time. But we have to be one of, we have to have a voice of an influence. And the only way we can have a voice of an influence, we have to believe what we're saying. So, what does wilderness mean? Wilderness means deserted places, lonely regions. Wilderness can also be used of persons. Deserted by others, deprived of the aid and protection of others. Now, that sounds like people who have been rejected. Right? So, there is a wilderness out there of people. They're, they're bound and they're stuck. They've been rejected. They, they, they've been rejected by family, friends, and things like that, and they're hurting, and they're looking for love, but they're gravitating to other people. They're gravitating to alcohol. They're gravitating to drugs to try to fill that void that only Jesus Christ can fill. And we have to be the ones that are crying out in the wilderness. We have to be the ones to say, repent, turn from your wicked ways. 
Going back up to verse 3, uh, excuse me, verse 2. I'm going to read it again. While Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. The word of God came to John. The word of God came to John. So, for years, I've seen people, Christians, that are going, they're looking for their calling. But, the word of God came to John, and when the word of God came to John, John went. And he began to cry out. See, we don't go looking for our calling because the calling is already in us before we were formed and born. Why? Because he said in Jeremiah chapter 1, <laughs> Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I called you. So he's called each and every one of us. So guess what? We don't have to fill out a survey trying to figure out what our calling is. No, the word of God will come to us. Amen. We don't have to seek it out because what happens is if we go out and we seek those things out and we're trying to seek out our calling, trying to figure out, well, what am I to do? Guess what? You're going to make a mistake. You're going to try to imitate somebody else and somebody else's calling and, carry, and, and follow them instead of following the plans what God has called for you. Because each and every one of us, we're going to have a different call. Amen. Right? Some things may be similar, but a lot of things are going to be different. You can't be like someone. And see, the word of God came to John. Where? He was in the wilderness. By himself. And let's, let's face it. John probably was a strange person. Right? Because he had worn down clothes. He's eating locusts. Who's going to eat bugs and honey? Who's going to go around somebody like that and listen to somebody like that? Right? But the people came from all over. For those that don't understand what the Jordan River was, the Jordan River is a long river. It, it, it's tied in between the Sea of Galilee and, and the Dead Sea. So John went along, preaching along those ways, crying, repent, repent, repent. And guess what? The people started to come. Why? Because, see, for a long time, Israel was looking at the Romans as their oppressors. But God was trying to show them, look, Rome is not the problem. Your heart is the problem. Amen. And that is the issue. Our heart without Christ is wicked. Our heart is the problem. So we have to turn to Jesus Christ. We have to let them know that Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, and the life. Nothing more, nothing less. Right? It's not about a ministry. It's not about a title or any of those things. It's all about Jesus. And one thing we can learn from John is John took a back seat to Jesus because everybody began to follow John. As a matter of fact, so many people follow John. Let's go to, uh, actually, hold on. Actually, let's uh, go to verse 7. Then he said, uh, in Luke 3, Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now, he's saying, broader vipers. Matthew tells us that, no, Mark tells us that he's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why? Because just like Jesus said, that their leaven was not good. Right? And, and, and Jesus called it. And see, I started to debate this, well, not debate, contemplating myself. Maybe I'm being too hard on Christian leaders and things like that. This week. But, he brought me back to Jesus in Matthew 23. He calls the religious leaders hypocrites. Why? Because if you're not living what the Word of God says and you're supposed to be a leader, then you're a hypocrite. Right. You're a broader vipers and you're spreading venom into people that is poisonous. Amen. Venom that can hurt people. That's right. 
venom that can destroy people. Right. This is why John 10 and 10 says what? The thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm -hmm. I told you before, that is the false doctrine that's being spread. It's not just in the church, but it's all the other religions that are out there. And freely man accepts. So when we see these signs coexist, there's no Christian that should have that on there. There should be no coexisting. So, because guess what? Those other religions, they're false. Not a true God. So there is no coexisting because we serve the true God. So, I don't care if it's Islam, I don't care if it's Hinduism, there's no coexisting with that. Right? So, if the world wants to persecute us because of Jesus, so what? Because that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to try to shut us up because of Jesus Christ. Right? So, you can put, you can, you can talk about the Bible, talk about Jesus, and guess what? They're going to say, don't do that. But let a Muslim speak, they're not going to criticize the Muslim. So, you get the church that are talk about homosexuality and the sin that's there, they're going to criticize, say, hey, we hate, we truly, we love them. But let somebody from the Muslim community speak about them. They won't say a word. That ought to tell you something right there. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with that, right? Mm -hmm. So even Wednesday, I didn't say this, but Phil knew. <laughs> I said, well, our prayers must have been heard because somebody took the sign up that we had outside, took it, and threw it in the parking lot, mm -hmm. right? That's right? But that's a good thing. That's a good thing, because that means the enemy's on notice. Yeah. Right? So, regardless of what obstacles we face, we are still to be one crying in the wilderness. Right? And, and we have to be intent on, on that. See, the one thing, the reason why uh, John was placed in prison, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let, let's keep reading. What did I leave? Uh, verse 8. Mm -hmm. Therefore, bear fruits of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. So, now, while the church is moving and doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, that's what Israel's job is supposed to be. Reaching the world. They were supposed to all be the one crying in the wilderness, but guess what? They rejected the Messiah. So, guess what? That means he came to us, right, as a Gentile. So, now, we pick up right where Jesus left off. Because Jesus came and he actually preached the same message John did. Repent. In verse 17 of Matthew chapter 4, that's what he said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's what we should be. John started it. Jesus continued it after John. And guess what? We're to continue after Jesus and John. Because John got his message from Jesus Christ. All right. Verse 9. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Oh, I forgot something about verse 8. So, <laughs> They identified as Abraham, so they used that as, as their little butler to get away with certain things. See, sometimes we can use that if we try to identify with certain churches and certain denominations. We can think we're right. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter because guess what? The ministry of pastor cannot save you. Only Jesus right. Christ can save you. And we have to bear fruits of repentance. That's what John said. So we don't go out and practice this sin. That's why I told somebody this week, I said, look. It's not the fact that we're going to be perfect because we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make our mistakes, right? But we don't practice those things. Y'all have heard me say this before. Athletes practice to get better. That's right. Right? So we're to be practice of righteousness. Not unrighteousness, not sin. All right. Now let's keep going. Uh, verse 9. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, saying, What should we do then? He answered and said to them, He who has two tunics, 
Let him give to him who has none, and he who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers, the so well, who were the soldiers? The Romans. The soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. So in all these, whether it was a tax collector, whether it was a soldier, their jobs wasn't wrong. It's what they were doing, because the soldiers would intimidate people. The soldiers were rob people. So we hear it even now with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, saying the Russian soldiers are uh, pilfering the uh, villages and the people and things like that, taking those things. That's what they were doing back in this day. So not only did the Jews come hearing John's message, but so did the Romans. The Roman soldiers came. Verse 15, now as the people were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So remember that place right there. Alright, so, verse 15. They came to him thinking he was the Messiah. Wondering. Hey, are you the Messiah? Why? Because he started to get a full following. Unlike pastors today, John didn't take credit for it. Nope. He says, it's not me. I am not the Messiah. If John had, was wicked, guess what? He could have said, yes, I'm the Messiah. Because guess what? False messiahs came after that. And they were trying to gather the people and fool the people, but John said, nope. See, John was strong. He was boisterous, but he was also humble. He didn't take no glory for himself. He says, I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy. But what do we have today? Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm filled with the, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And I can do this, I'm this, I'm that. No, that's pride. Amen. That's pride. Because guess what? Again, John was the forerunner of Christ. And guess what? Again, we're supposed to be the forerunner of Christ's second coming. So how dare we take credit for anything? Verse 7, uh, nope, where did I leave? 18. And with many other exhortations he preached to the people. But Herod, the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also added this, above all, that he shut John up in prison. So, why was John shut up in prison? Why? Because he was calling Herod out for his sin. See, when you come and you preach repentance, it does one of two things. It brings conviction just like to the people who came and got baptized, said, what must, what must we do? Or it brings anger, just like Herod and, and his wife Herodias. Why? Because they were sinning. People don't like to be told they were sinning. So before I got saved, I didn't want to be told I was sinning. So I got angry. Right? So and it wasn't so that's what conviction does. Conviction is going to cause us to either one, change, or two, get angry and rebel. So, when we, when we minister and we be the ones crying out in the wilderness, one of two things is going to happen. 
either, you know, they're going to turn around, they're going to repent, or they just may very well get angry. What is the third? It just might be nonchalant. Or they might be like some Christians today, just coming to church and just sit there. <laughs> and not change and say, well, you know what? I went to church for the week, I'm good. Yeah. Right? Don't care. But there's a lost in the dying world out there. Lost in the dying world. People are hurting. Right? And I, I, I told a couple of you that I ministered to somebody this week, was hoping he would come tonight, praying that he was coming, he would come tonight. Because he was bound. Right? But he did allow me to pray for him, and I know he was touching. Right? But there are plenty of people out there like that. Not just, and, and, and the scary part is this. They're not just out there in the world. They're coming in the church. And again, they're looking to be set free. But when you have Christians that are in bondage, they can't set nobody free. And it's not that we, we set people free ourselves, but it's Christ that sets people free. Amen. Right? Because Amen. I told you last week, I don't have no power. That's it's right. not me. <laughs> right? It's the Holy Spirit. Right? He's given each and every one of us as believers that delegated authority. I told you all last week. It can be given and it can be taken away. Right? So we can pray for people that are hurting, that are bound. Right? And we can pray that God will deliver them. Right? But only God knows man's heart. Right? We don't know man's heart. Unless God reveals it to us and gives us through a discernment, that's a little bit different. But most of the time it's not going to be that way. So we don't know who's called to be saved and who's not. But we still have to get the message out there. Again, we have to be that one crying and weeping. Now, it doesn't mean we're going around pointing people in the face and, and, and yelling at them saying, repent and do those things. No. But we go in humility, gentleness, and love. Amen. And that's what it's about. And see, the only way we can do that is if Christ is in our hearts, in our own hearts. And we'll get to something in the, in the coming weeks because Christ has called us to be mended. Right? He's, he's, he's mending people's hearts. But in order for us to bring the message, even with the disciples, in order for... See, we all know the disciples weren't perfect. We all know the disciples made mistakes. And the thing about the church, we like to pinpoint their mistakes. Right? But what we don't see is all the times that they did do right. It wasn't a sign of them practicing those, those things because guess what? Jesus, even though he may grow frustrated with he grew frustrated with them sometimes, he still stayed there and taught them. Why? So it wasn't like they were out there and just sinning, sinning, sinning. So we can't use their mistakes as a green light for us to make the same mistakes. Right? But we have to learn. We have to learn from their mistakes. Right? So same thing as some of us who are older. Right? We want to teach our younger ones certain things so they don't make the same mistakes that we made. And guess what? Sometimes the younger ones they don't want to listen, right? Because guess what? Every one of us was there at one time. <laughs> right? We were all teenagers at one time and we all thought we knew what was best, right? But now when we're on the other side and now we're the parents, now we feel frustrated. Right? So, <laughs> so basically we just get, we just reaping what we sow. That's why I tell my kids, I can't wait till y'all have kids. <laughs> well, I can wait. Y'all keep waiting. <laughs> Not yet, but when you do. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, uh, let's go back to uh, Matthew. 
sorry. Let's go to Mark. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. I'm not going to speak long today. I did get accused last week of <laughs> speaking too long. <laughs> it wasn't my wife. So again, <laughs> for Herod himself has sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For he had married her because John has said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So all John did was tell the truth. All he did was give him the Old Testament law. He told him the truth. Therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, which she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. So, I think I said this Wednesday, it's good to be known as a good man, or a good, or a good woman, a good person, right? But it's an issue when everybody's liking us. See, because that, that, we, we, can't, we can't conform to this world. We can't conform and be people pleasers. And really, that's what Herod was doing here. He really didn't want to lock John up. But because his wife wanted him locked up, he imprisoned him. He didn't want, he didn't want John put to death neither. But because he didn't want to seem like a, a king that went against his word before the people, he gave in to political influence. Again, same thing with politicians today. There's nothing new under the sun. Word tells us that in Ecclesiastes. Right? All right, so let's go back to Matthew. Matthew 4. Matthew 4. about verse 17 that Jesus from that time Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand that's the message we need to deliver that's the message we need to deliver right not just verbally but also our lifestyles right what good is it for us to tell people to repent when we're not doing right when our hearts are not right in that case we just might as well be quiet So, verse 16, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon these who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. So, they were in darkness, right? But here comes Jesus, bring the light. So, everywhere we go, we're to bring the light. Why? Because, I said this before, everywhere we go, we're bringing Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? So, it doesn't matter how dark a place is, how wicked a place is, if we show up. That's Jesus Christ coming in. Right? So now when we show up, again, we can be that voice of one crying in the wilderness. Right? And now we can start to 
influence, have an influence over the people, have an influence over the community. Don't think for one moment that all these people that are stuck in Petersburg, stuck in Richmond, and, and, and it's a shame. Even when we went to Petersburg today, we, we saw quite a few churches there, right? But explain to me why all that gunfire is still going on. Why all the weakness is going on. But yet, we're supposed to be the church. We're supposed to be the one crying out in the wilderness. But yet, the wickedness is still there. That shouldn't be. Right? If we have all these churches, and it's the same thing in Richmond. I could drive by Whole Street. You have churches on every corner. But yet, crime is running rampant there. Why? Because we're focusing on other things, but yet we're not praying. Because prayer is what changes things. Amen. Prayer is what changes things. And as we pray, guess what? Now, the spirit realm begins to, to move. The spirit realm gets activated. So, guess what? Even if they take the signs and they throw it out in the parking lot, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because they can't stop the move of God. We, we've seen that as we've gone through the book of Acts on Wednesday. You can't stop the move of God. That's what the Lord came and that's what he confronted Saul, which is Paul. That's what he confronted with. Say, look, you can't kick against the goats. You can't stop this move. Same thing with Herod. We, we read it this past Wednesday. Right? He thought he could put a dent in it by killing James. And guess what? He was going to do the same to Peter. Right? But Lord had other plans. So said, nope, you can't touch him yet. Because i got to work for him. To do. Right? So even if the world, the enemy, thinking that he stopped him one, he can't stop the full move of God. Amen. Why? Because even when King Herod thought he was stopping John, shutting John up, guess what? He made things worse because then Jesus came. That's right. Jesus And John said, Jesus was much mightier than I. So even though all the people came, and we see later in the Gospels that uh, they said that uh, Jesus' disciples were baptizing more people than John's disciples. See, so really, Herod probably didn't even realize what he was doing. Neither was, did Herodias realize what she was saying. See, they just played into the hand of God. Because God had it mapped out from the beginning. See, they thought, said, okay, all these people are following John. And see, they thought he was the Messiah. Because remember, Israel was expecting the Messiah to come in a military manner, a physical manner. Right? <laughs> and all these people were following John. And then even the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were sent. They, I think it might have been Mark. Sadducee, 
They released it. They sent, they sent people out there. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, they came wondering if John was the Messiah. Why? Because guess what? Now nobody's following the Pharisees and Sadducees. Why? Because they came with uh, really trying to oppress the people. Right? So, and, and, you know, it's funny. We'll have people say, well, it doesn't take all that. Well, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because here was John <coughs> preaching the truth to the point where he got thrown in prison and to the point he got beheaded. And then here comes Jesus right after John bearing the same message as we see in uh, Matthew 4, 17. And then guess what? They were still trying to stop Jesus. But it does take all that. It does take us talking about to repent, to bear fruits of righteousness, talking about holiness. Because you'll have Christians that say that. It doesn't take all that. Oh, it doesn't take all that. Well, it does. It does. All right. So the people who sat, verse 16 again, people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. That great light was Jesus. That great light was Jesus. So we were all once there. We were all in darkness. Every one of us, before we gave our hearts to the Lord, we were all in darkness. I was once, I was once blind. But guess what? Once I repented, now see. Right? But I had to surrender to him. Right? Because the word of the Lord had came to me. People had spoke to me before and witnessed to me. But guess what? I got angry. <laughs> I got angry. So that conviction came in. It forced me to get angry. Right? So even though my wife talked about it, she won one music station on and I want my hip hop on. Right? And we will argue back and forth. I'll get angry. Right? Somebody came talking to me about Christ. I would get angry. Until one day. And again, I wasn't around nobody. I was in the house. Weeping. Praying. The Lord came flooding my heart. And my life has changed ever since. So now, guess what? Even then, I didn't have to go seeking out what my calling was. Because the Lord gave it to me through the word of the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 4. He, he spoke to me. Right? I didn't have to go chasing it. I didn't have to go chasing it. So, we don't go and chase out the call. The word of God will come to us. Amen. Even the disciples, they didn't have to go chase them. Jesus came to them. Jesus came to them. The prophet Amos, he said, he was out there tending sheep. But the word of the Lord came to him. He got sent. Just like that. Right? And when he was there, he said, look, I didn't want to do this. But I was just tending sheep. But the word of the Lord came. See, when the word of the Lord comes, now you can't contain it. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, and see, the thing about it is, that the problem with filling out these surveys and things like that, we get attracted to things that we like doing. When the calling of God comes, it's going to make us do things we don't want to do. Why? Because it's going to take us out of our comfort zone. Amen. So even when the word of God came to me, and he was showing me what he was calling me to do, Guess what? Y'all heard me say it before? I don't like speaking in front of people. Right? To this day, somebody asked me to speak. I will cringe on the inside. But it's not until I get out of myself <laughs> that I allow God to take over. Because I don't like speaking in front of people. Right? Even being up here, I don't like speaking in front of people. <laughs> but that is obeying the call of God on our lives. So, again, don't go chasing after the call. The 
each and every one of us before we were formed in our mother's womb. Amen. And it will find us, it will activate and ignite in us when God is ready. Amen. See, because we have so many people lost out there. They're taking this class, they're going to this seminary, they're going to this Bible college, and they graduate and they're still lost. Because they don't know what they're supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to do spiritually, and I also know what I'm called to do in the natural. I told you before, I love my job, right? I knew for a long time what I wanted to do in the natural. I didn't know he was going to call me to preach or pastor church, <laughs> right? But in my heart, in the natural, I knew what I wanted to do, right? But once he called me, and then once he, even though he revealed it to me, and I was, I was thankful and joyful, it still took some time. It had to be in his time. It had to be good because if I tried to force it, it wasn't going to work. Then I would begin to struggle. So even now, he's showing me that even though I may study some things, he's like, oh, look, I'm taking you in a different direction. Now, years ago, Rasan wasn't going in a different direction. Rasan was going to ignore the Holy Spirit and say, no, nope, I have my notes. I'm going to go by my notes. Right? Because I was comfortable. Right? So now he's taking me out of my comfort zone say, look, I know you studied this this week, but I'll take you here. <laughs> and guess what? It's not a comfortable feeling. But guess what? The more I trust him, the more I get to relax. Amen. The more I get to relax on him. Say, man, I don't, I don't have to be pressed with time. I don't, I don't, I don't need the, this. No. I just walk with him, serve him. Right? Because even when I started this, people would tell me, hey, you got to study for this amount of hours, this amount of hours. And even when we first started the ministry, you know, I would say, man, well, maybe I'm different because even when I'm reading, the Lord would lead me in a different direction. Right? Now he's really taking me somewhere. Right? And that is the beauty of surrendering to him. Right? Because when we surrender, now we can be bold. We can be more confident because now our confidence is not in ourselves. Because Rasan can't do this out of his own natural ability. He can't. Now, I think Phil talked about this before. You have some charismatic speakers out there that can get up there and they can win people over by Son's not a charismatic speaker. Right? I freely say that. Right? But I know what he's calling me to do. Right? And I also know in the midst of that, I have to be one crying out in the wilderness. Why? Because again, that takes Rasan out of his comfort zone. That's not comfortable for Rasan to do that. That wasn't comfortable, it wasn't comfortable even for Rasan. To pray with the man today. I mean, not today, but uh, this week. And then give him a hug afterwards. But that was the Holy Spirit leading me. And, and I couldn't fight. Because even I'm working and I, I, I'm talking to him, I already knew what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do once I was finished. Right? That's not normal in my line of work. That wasn't normal. But see, God is going to take us out of the norm. He's going to take us out of the natural things to do supernatural things. That's right. right. So, we have to learn to trust God. We have to learn to be really like John. Because when John was in the wilderness, guess what? He was by himself. Sometimes we don't want to be by ourselves. Yeah. Sometimes we're looking for someone to be around that, hey, i got to talk to this person. I need to be around these people. I got to listen to this music. I got to listen to this podcast. I have to do all those things. And all those things, I'm telling you, not going to get you closer to God. That's right. That's right. We have to learn to go into the wilderness ourselves. Yeah. 
We have to learn to go in that quiet place ourselves and spend time with Him. That is what that is where the growth is going to take place. Amen. And y'all heard me say, no matter what I give you up here, it doesn't matter if you're not applying. So even with a church that where we attended, New York Christian Church in Ledger, Connecticut, where I got saved, we all heard the same teaching, but it wasn't activated in all of us the same way. We all were there for Bible study. We were all, well, we weren't all there for prayer service. <laughs> but our song was there for prayer service. And we had to apply the word. So even as the pastor was speaking, I was taking notes down. And I would go back and I would read it. I would ask him, hey, what books are you reading? Right? I, because I wanted to know. I wanted to grow. And all that quiet time, all that going in, in, in to the prayer closet, spending time praying, reading the word, studying it. That's when he grew more and more in me. Amen? Amen. So, don't be intimidated by what's out there. Don't be afraid of rejection of even our family members. So what? <laughs> so what? You already know, I told y'all before, I, I kicked the family out of a minute. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Why? Because as we come into the body of Christ, guess what? Now he's giving us a new family. He's giving us a new family. And that's how we have to see it. And Phil talked about this a couple weeks ago. Right? So that's your air tomorrow. On YouTube. But he's giving us a new family, a spiritual family. And as long as we keep looking back again, lost wife, lost wife, because we're looking for something that God's calling us to hear. It doesn't mean that he may not bring them along, right? But he wants us to get right. He, he wants us to be in communion with him, not them. <laughs> we have it backwards. We want to be in communion with people, right? Not just family, but friends. We want to be in communion. And even with brothers and sisters in Christ. We'd rather be in communion with them than spending time, quiet time with the Lord. To get us to go, to be like John, to be like Jesus, to where we're going to cry, repent, repent, repent. We have to learn to get in that quiet place. We have to learn to get in the wilderness. And we have to be okay with that. Knowing, again, it's not about him touching us and making us, giving us goosebumps and things like that. But he will begin to grow in us more and more and more to the point to where now you're no longer uncomfortable doing certain things because now you have that peace. You have that peace. That what? Surpasses all understanding. And see, it's a shame when we have Christians that are not in peace. And it, there are thousands and thousands of Christians like that. They're not in peace. And guess what? They're not, they're, they're, they're not getting good nourishment. But instead, they're getting the venom from the snakes, from the vipers, the broader vipers. That's why I tell you, you got to be careful on what you allow to come into you, what you allow to come into your spirit. There's certain things we can't listen to. That's the world, and that's also the church. Because they will raise us up. See, just like Israel thought that Rome was the problem. Many people in the church today want us to think that President Biden is the problem. 
He's not the problem. Because guess what? Satan is the ruler of this world. Biden is nothing but a puppet. Putin is nothing but a puppet. Zelensky is nothing but a puppet. Same thing with Pelosi. They're all puppets. We don't want to be in danger of being a puppet. But we have to surrender and we have to submit to the will 